Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything different. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast. Solly here, not an emergency podcast that many are you calling for with Phil's statement, apology, or whatever was released today, the news of KPMG dropping him. Just wait. We'll wait till Sunday. There's going to be more news this week. A lot of things will happen. Did get a great chance earlier to speak with our friend Max Homa. Uh, this this conversation is uh, probably pretty obviously recorded uh, before Phil's statement that came out today, but we talked a little bit about all the ongoings in the SGL, PGA Tour, all these things, um, and had a, had a conversation about you know what he's hearing from players, what his qualms may be, how, how it could possibly be addressed. Great conversation with Max. Really enjoyed chatting with him, as always. Uh, excited to also hear that my Rogue ST Triple Diamond LS head has arrived at the Kill House. But did you know that in addition to the stock black and gold color scheme, you can actually customize your Rogue ST driver through Callaway Customs. That's for all the heads, the Max, the Max D, the Max LS, and the Triple Diamond LS, all eligible for customization. You can make any kind of colors. They have five different zones. You can customize eight different color options you can choose from, and you can customize the tungsten speed cartridge, the sole channel, the two individual jailbreak medallions, and the crown accents. For you minimalists out there, you'll appreciate this. There's a new clean crown option which features no alignment aid or crown accents visit callawaygolf.com customs to see how you can customize your rogue st driver or jaws full toe wedge for that matter again that's callawaygolf.com customs let's get to max homa so tell me you walked around rib with a little bit of extra swagger as the defending champ this past week yeah a little bit i mean uh it was weird to be in a group with dj and uh adam scott and not feel like weird um i would even honestly argued like just with the fans back like i had a maybe like the most support djs i played with dj there four years in a row now and he's usually you know got a big following and he still did but it was different it was a first yeah i felt very uh eerie kind of but it felt like comfy which was fun but that i just i don't know that place definitely gives me a little boost uh and then the city with all the fans it really helps so it was cool to like walk around with a little swagger a little uh pep in my step and you know it was it was a for for a 10th place is as much fun as you could have losing by i, I think i lost by like nine <laughs> it's the most fun i could have had doing it but it, it just in that answer right there it seems like you're kind of um you're, you're trying to come to terms with your stature on the pga tour right yeah. you don't you know you've won three times now you're paired up with dj and adam scott it's not you know it's not out of charity that they're pairing there you're defending champ there but like get the sense that you still don't feel like you fully belong in that group but you kind of feel like it but you don't what, what's that like yeah I guess you're right I think I do um like I said play with DJ the last four years there like literally at that tournament helps but it's never been Thursday Friday it's Saturday Sunday um but like Adam Scott and DJ are two of the best golfers ever I was like trying to think about you know just putting their careers into perspective just thinking about how they're still two of the best golfers in the world, but like they are two of the best ever um, when you add up all that they've done. Uh, so that's just, I think that would always be a little weird for me just to be in that group. But I definitely feel like once I'm on the golf course now, I don't feel, I don't feel like overwhelmed by like what they're doing. I think before I was probably a little bit more 
um, like in awe a bit. I remember the first time I played with DJ there, I, I was in awe of him, but he is, you know, tremendous golfer. But I'm definitely kind of trying to get that. It's weird when I play with the younger guys, like JT, um, you know, Berger, Jordan, kind of like, I don't feel as, uh, I feel like that's where I'm supposed to be. Cause those are the guys I grew up with, you know, like, I mean, JT, JT's probably, I mean, Ron's pretty damn good, but JT's like the best golfer I've really seen day in and day out, but I've seen it for so long. And for some reason, when I play with them, I don't feel, I don't feel like I have that like kind of man, I'm in JT's group, which is good just because, I mean, like I said, we, we, we turned pro at the exact same time and I'm comfortable with him. Um, I'm in all of his golf game, but you know, it's not the same as, I don't know, for some reason, like Adam Scott, I mean, I was talking about your guys' podcast or whatever, and it was just funny talking about, like, how he came up, you know, as the next, like, Tiger and how difficult that was. And it's like, when he was saying that, it was just putting in perspective how long he's been out here, like, really doing well, like, dominating out here for the most part, or dominating is a tough word when Tiger was around, but just, like, really, like, putting his stamp on the game. And uh, so when you play with those guys, it just kind of – it just still feels a little different, um, but it doesn't feel like uncomfortable. It just, it's still cool, I guess, to me. Like I still really enjoy, like that pairing was very cool and it was very fun. And Adam Scott's super handsome. So it's just kind of fun to like trail around with the guy. Did you ask him why he's wearing a brown sweater? Like, or the tan sweater, like literally every day this week and Monday he wore it? <laughs> to be fair, I did not see it Monday. I only play with him Thursday, Friday. And I mean, it, for two days, it doesn't sound crazy when it, it's like all seven days and then eight into his charity or into his uh, clinic the next day. Then it, I would have asked him if I was with him all of those days. He did. We did have a funny one. Our lockers are next to each other. And uh, he had shaved. Uh, and Sunday after the round, uh, he's getting his stuff together. I'm getting my stuff together. I'm like, hey, come on, man, you shave. Like, I thought we were a band of brothers. And uh, he was like, oh, you know, I got something to do tomorrow. So I shave, but I'm going to grow it back after that. He's like, actually, I think I might grow a little mustache like you've got going. I said, whoa, whoa. I said, don't steal my thunder, man. Like, <laughs> you're already you're already the best looking guy out here. I, give me something. Please, no, please, no. What uh, <laughs> in your in your definition, you know, maybe maybe some of this may be obvious, but I, I'm curious to hear your your answer. Like, what is the difference between you and them? If How would you define that? Either at their peak or now, or uh, what would you, how would you make that comparison in golf game, golf game perspective, of course? Yeah. Uh, DJ's different than Adam. Uh, DJ has, I, I don't, DJ has that brain of DJs that really it's remarkable. Cause this was the first time I played with him where he did, he didn't play well really at all. He had like a three hole stretch where it was clean, but he, he, he didn't play terrible. He didn't look bad, but he was looser than normal. He was, wasn't driving it great. Um, but, and he makes this double on 10. Uh, it, it got a bad lie in the, in the short, short bunker kind of caught it skinny, went in the back bunker, got a horrible, light, like one bounce side spun and like, and like, basically buried under the lip pitched that out didn't get it out or pitched that into the bunker didn't get it out of the bunker makes like a six and it was you know a long hole and and me and adam you know like we, we were fine with whatever you know and i think i made a two on that hole oh and, and i was telling and i was telling talking to joe i'm like i'm gonna tell my grandkids i just beat dustin johnson by four on one hole uh and <laughs> and honestly dj comes over he, and he's just immediately like god like you know like that you know that bunker he was so fine like he was so yeah. okay with what had just happened and it, it was 
he had that is different than anybody I've ever been around because then he just went mm. back to his business. He continued not to play like great golf, but he did not play worse because of that hole. You know, it, he, he was the same human being. And then you add in that he has some of the most like freak talent of, of anybody you'll ever see the how high he can hit it every he can hit kind of every shot if he needs to um he has something about him that's that's a little like we always talk about the there's very few things people do that I'm like I can't do that there's very few there, there's a couple shots here and there that like P Reed will hit around the greens that's like kind of silly um, and then there's some, some, you know, obviously like a driver from Rory is pretty outrageous, but like DJ does that stuff. And that's, so that's different. Hmm. Um, Adam is, Adam would be a more comparable person to like answer that question to, because what Adam does is he's obviously a great ball striker. Uh, he's a good short game. Uh, you know, he's putting, he's very good outside of like six feet, but he has like a, an area you could see, like, you know, he would like to improve as everyone does, I guess. But the thing about Adam is he's so consistent. Like when someone says, man, Adam Scott's a great ball striker, like pretty much every time I've played with him, he's been a great ball striker. And for the most part, like I'm playing with him, obviously not in his prime prime. So I would imagine back when he was doing it, like at, at the highest level, like that was a thing that was a staple every single week. It's like kind of when I first came out and played with Charles Howell, the third, everyone's like, mm -hmm. that guy's a great ball striker. And it, I mean, it's every time you play with him, when I played with Rom, it's like, he pretty much is good at everything every time you play with him. So it's like the consistency of it. There's a few guys out there that have that like kind of crazy, like, how are you doing that? But it's not a lot. It, a lot of it, when you get to like closer and closer to the top, you just see that when you hear that they're good at something, you see it like that day. There's never like, oh, he had an off day with that. I think that's the difference. Um, and it's just an all encompassing game. You know, like Adam Scott is. I will first time I played with him was at the masters last year. And, um, you know, you always hear about his iron game or whatever, and it was fine. Uh, it wasn't the best I'd seen, you know, for, for him, like I was expecting, you know, maybe too much. Um, but like his short game was dumb good. And I was shocked, but it like, obviously it makes sense when I think about it. I'm like, dude, this guy's made, I don't know how much money on tour, like playing golf. Like he must be good at everything, but like, you don't, you don't hear about that a lot. That's what I try to tell people about the PJ tour. What's interesting is, like every single person out there is really good at something, but almost everybody's good at just about all of it. And the top guys are great at pretty much everything. And that's like the big thing. And, and that's a day in day out type thing. So it, that, that's always uh, interesting, but I don't know. I feel like I'm getting to the point where like, I'm not, I, I see where I could beat people and, and, and this and that, but it's the sustained like excellence at those things that make people be a Dustin, a Adam Scott, a JT, a Rom, all those guys. I, I think that's a big difference. Because it seems to me, I don't think there's quite enough chatter about what I would just call like repeatability, uh, you yes, know, and, exactly. and how uh, your very, very, very good iron shot is not different than Adam Scott's very, very, very good iron shot. Or let's take Colin Morikawa, who's the best iron player on tour. Yet, if you do it 14 times around, he might be doing it 16. And that is where, in my opinion, yes. like that is the, where the gap is in professional at any level of golf is like you just, the, the frequency at which you're able to do it and rely on it under the gun is uh, just something I don't, I don't hear a lot of chatter about. That's a hundred percent what it is. And that's definitely what is getting um, for me where I'm seeing like my growth and then where I'm seeing areas that I need to improve in like why I need to improve them. Cause there's like my short game is what holds me back from like the next big jump. Right. And when I watch 
most guys like short game is uh, it never leaves you, right? Like you have, you don't have good and bad weeks. You kind of just always have a pretty good week. Um, like the strokes game would only get off if like, let's say you plug in a bunker and you don't get out of the bunker and all of a sudden it gets skewed. But for the most part, like that's always like that. I'm seeing that more and more with my ball striking. I'm seeing that, you know, on days where it doesn't feel great, it's still very good with the, the strokes gain type stuff uh, and this and that, but it over the course of the entirety of your game, like Jordan Spieth, I always say this. Uh, my mom would always say, Oh, Jordan is like kind of lucky. He makes so many long putts. And I said, well, I said, and she's like kind of getting, you know, in the last five, 10 years, she's gotten into like the golf thing. So I try to explain like his ball rolls by that hole, like a foot and a half every time from 40 feet. I said, mine's sometimes short, mine's sometimes three feet long. Like, do you know how not lucky it is that his are going in? He's giving himself, he's repeating. Like you said, he has the repeatability to make that, make the ball going in the hole have the highest chance so often that it's like, dude, he's going to make more than all of us. Like it's not luck. It's like, he's putting himself in the position to do that. And when you watch like Adam Scott hit an iron or DJ hit an iron or a driver or whatever, it's just like, you keep hitting good drives. You keep hitting good iron shots. It wears somebody out at the end of the day. And that's kind of what they do. And, and that's why talking to Adam about tiger, I talked to him a little bit about like, you know, kind of what you guys had talked about and uh, how hard it was kind of coming up and being compared to him. And he said, like, the thing is, is if you got close to tiger, tiger was just so much better than everybody at everything. And like DJ even talked about it on Friday. I think he was like, dude, tiger's like short game. You know, he's like, Phil got all the publicity, but he's like, I mean, Tiger's short game was unbelievable. Like he said, it might've been better than Phil's. And it's like, can every single area he's so good and he can repeat that every week that if one area does kind of fall off a little bit, you have this whole other area to pick you back up. And that's where those guys that are top 10 in the world, like to me, that's like, that's what they do. It, it's a week in a week out thing. And when something's off, they have something else that is repeatable. And I don't know, that's how they do it. Like for my game, like I can't speak to everybody for my game. What I see is like, I'm a very good driver of the ball now and a good iron player. So if I do that over and over again for four days, it adds up. I can feel kind of times where I'll play with somebody who I know is not like has been kind of struggling in the season or, or, or in their career, like a little bit, obviously we're splitting hairs on the PJ tour. And I know, you know, they, they get off to a good start or whatever. And I just have a little bit more of that understanding. Cause I've been watching these, you know, top 10 guys a lot more up close that hey, just keep doing your thing for 18 holes. And like, you know, you don't, you're not going to get that loose and maybe they will. And that's how you can kind of have a little bit of more confidence in how you're going to beat somebody. And those guys have been doing that for shoot, like 10, 15 years. So that's, what's <laughs> crazy. 20 years for Adam, you know, it's, it's wild. So I think that to, to your point that it's the repeatability, it's the, it's the, obviously things are going to get off here and there, but I mean, it doesn't get, Adam had like six whole stretch on Thursday where he was hitting it honestly, not very good. He was just seeing these high hooks and it's, First off, really frustrating to watch that from that golf swing because it makes you realize that golf is truly impossible. Yes. But then he got clicking and you guys watched that. I mean, he, he ends up getting, I think, fourth or whatever. And he played unbelievable back end of Thursday and then all into Friday and then what seemed like the weekend. So that that's the thing is that you're those guys are just their off is so not off. And, um, you know, doing that for that long is wild to me. Well, it's it, it kind of has clicked for me. I think this year we we Ben and I have done like a little system where we do where we go after your round, every full shot you hit, give yourself a zero or one grade, like and just add them up. And like the only way to actually get better at golf is by accumulating 
a more uh, sustainably good is by accumulating more good full shots, right? Like you yeah. just can't rely on if, if somebody's hitting it to 15 feet all day and you're hitting it to 30, you're, you're not going to beat them. Like you, yeah. you can't make enough putts from further away to offset that. And it is just, it's starting to accumulate for me. Cause I, I still, I've followed you guys obviously for many, many, many years. And I still struggle to like explain or understand what makes up the difference, right? I mean, because I, you tune in, you see John Rom hit a bad drive. You see him plug one in a bunker every now and then. Then you look up at the end of the tournament, and he's 18 under. And it just is this relentless kind of, you know, consistency of hitting it to 10 feet, hitting it to 12 feet, hitting it to 15 feet that just adds up at the end of the day. I, I yeah, and I would say too is what I've seen, and th- this goes for weeks where like I'm assuming for 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 Rom would be the best example, just because he plays so well so often and then has a week like this week where he doesn't play great but it's still good the difference is sometimes that if you hit let's just say you hit uh in a day like 30 35 full shots and you hit 30 of them well if there's gaps in when you hit them well like they're not strung together at times that's the part that's frustrating like you'll hit a great drive and a mediocre iron shot but then a great iron on the next par three and 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 then the next hole you'll hit like a okay drive but you'll hit a good second shot it's like they need to string together so the better you are as like a ball striker those streaks come faster or come uh more often and that's a big thing because you can hit almost equally as many good shots as i've i hit in a day but if they're not back to back to back for like six seven in a row it's going to be hard to beat me because I'm going to go make two or three birdies on those holes and you're going to still make par and it's going to be okay. The art of golf though, where, where those like, you know, especially Rom, like what's amazing is when he does rarely hit a bad golf shot, he has a way to make that par, get out of Dodge and then start that streak over again and just get back to hitting great shots. Then you look at people like uh, Justin who can hit, uh, a few bad drives in a row, but has all the creativity in the world and skill in the world to hit these amazing recovery shots or pitch it in. And then you add like a whole new element where it's like, man, you didn't even hit two good shots on this hole, but you just made a, a birdie um, or made the easiest part you've ever seen. So that's like kind of like the nuance of them. But yeah, it's just it over the course of 72 holes. It's just it really is keep your head down, keep hitting great golf shots and just wait for it to click where like the ball gets really close. Cause you can hit a, on Sunday, I hit a few really great iron shots that were off by, you know, especially when it's firm as, as you know, you guys know uh, better than anybody. Like it has to be almost perfect to get a ball close, especially at a golf course like Riv. And it's like, I hit a few shots where they were, if Joe had to ask me, how'd you hit it? Like, do you match everything up? I'd say it was a 10 out of 10. Like I cannot do better than that. And I have 40, 50 feet. Hmm. And it's like, you know, maybe on Thursday, Friday, I hit that same shot and it was going to like five feet, 10 feet. And it's just like, that's the hard part. But it's like, if I keep hitting, making that golf swing, I will hit it close at some point. Um, because like, you know, obviously over, over the course of time, like the ball's going to get closer, you know, if you're missing by a yard or two, sometimes you're going to get it on the right end of that. Um, but that's, that's the part is like, just keep hitting good golf shots and then add them up. Um, but yeah, I mean, to, to your point, like Jordan Spieth was known as the guy, like I referenced as somebody who just makes a million long putts, but he was also the best iron player in the world for two years. So it's like, yeah. he's had more opportunities than all you guys, like, or all of us, like, it's not, it had, it had very, had, a, had some magic was like the part of like the putting, but it was, it was, he, he was due for those putts to go and he has a million of them. That, that makes a lot of sense. What you just described there about Riv. How different is that from normal PGA Tour stop? I mean, it, it's something that it pops to me on TV only through years and years and years of watching it and, and appreciation for 
the different shots that are required when it is firm and, and it may not be the most entertaining golf to everyone that watched on TV, but it's great for me. So what, what is it like to play tournaments in those conditions? Yeah. I mean, it's so much fun. And, and I think the kind of maybe misnomer is uh, that, that the t- pros like uh, kind of sometimes when it's set up soft or whatever and not too hard, but it's not true because like this week was a perfect example. When we saw the weather report, when we saw it was kind of windy Monday to Wednesday, everyone was like, this is going to be fun. Like this is going to be a true test of golf. And it turns out like that you see the leaderboard and that's exactly what it, it pans out to be. It, it, it's, it's great because you really do get value for hitting a shot pure. Like when the greens are that firm and they tuck pins, you could take your chance. You need to hit your number and you need to hit it solid because you need some spin to stop the golf ball. And it, and it really shows you like guys who have the most control over their ball that week. Um, you know, I played in front of Colin on uh, Sunday and, um, and J and JT and Scotty Scheffler. So three of the best, like, you know, ball strikers in the world. And you could hear the roars on certain pins. And I'm like, dang, like that was a great shot, but you also had to have the confidence to go for it. And that's, what's cool about Riviera is you can hit that golf shot. Joaquin showed it. You can hit the golf shot. Uh, but if you miss it, you're going to be in a, a world of pain. Um, so that's fun. It's also just Riv is the hardest part people don't get about Riviera is the Kikuya fr- uh, short of the greens, you know, like in the fairways, the ball will not bounce up. So if a pin is like four on or five on, let's say, and that ball lands six short, you will be putting from the fringe from six short. But if you land it one short of the pin, you're going to be bounding past the pins. But if you had a great shot lands one to two on that ball will get close. And it's just like, do you have the guts to go for that? Do you have the, you know, skill to go for that. And then, uh, the eighth hole, you know, the eighth, hole, this past the eighth week. hole is perfect. Oh my God. I mean, you have, that, that's one of my favorite par fours in the world because the tee shot sets up, op- um, uh, options and, uh, angles. I always play down the left because I believe that like the angle to the front right pin, which is clearly the hardest pin, it's still a hard, hard golf shot and you're hitting more club in. So I go up there, but DJ and I had good drives on Thursday. He, bombed it he had like 60 yards in but he was on a slight down slope i was on a flat to maybe up slope from like 80 so i could spin it more but i was still aiming like 20 feet left of the hole and trying to cut spin it back so i'm like hitting like a creative wedge shot but i'm also very okay with where i ended up which was like 25 feet dj basically had to just bail long long left and like he had almost nothing from where he was he would have had to hit the perfect golf shot to stop that thing anywhere near the hole if he even could have so he has to take it way past the hole and next thing you know now you know we both have putts for birdie but you know that that there was you would have had to really maybe on a Sunday if it was your last hole you could try to hit that golf shot but it's typically a a no-go and then you all of a sudden have a back left pin and if you're in the fairway you can take it and kind of try to land it on the down slope but you got to spin the hell out of it to do it and uh, if you miss it again, if you're short, it's going to roll back down the hill. You're going to have an awkward pitch shot. If you don't spin it enough, it's going to go kind of over the back of the green, which would have been okay. But it's like all of a sudden you're thinking about all these things and it's just a wedge, you know? So that's the interesting part. Whereas when we play a course where we get a lot of rain, like one of them's Minnesota uh, for the 3M, like it's a pretty fun golf course, but we always just get rain that week. And anywhere a pin is, if I'm in the fairway, even sometimes in the rough, I could be like, Hey, if I feel like I can hit my number, I can just go right at this thing. And if I miss the green because it's still soft, it's like, I don't have a huge penalty. Uh, whereas here, you know, because chipping is so awkward around the Kikuya or whatever, you really don't want to be off the green too much. And it's just, it's a constant battle, but it's also, you know, that 
good golf is going to get rewarded. Um, you just have to keep doing it and, and keep being smart, but it's just so much different. You know, like I, I, uh, your, your land numbers are so, so important. And, uh, the execution of hitting the golf shop pure is so important. Um, it is amazing that tiger never won here when I, every time I walk hmm. around this place, I'm like, man, it, like the best guy should win this week, like typically. Uh, and he obviously had, plays the best golf, uh, the most often of anybody ever. So it's like, uh, you know, the quality of his irons or whatever, but I, you know, I heard he said in the booth, he just played like, like shit. So every time he played here, so I guess that makes sense, but I would have thought, you know, this place would be a stomping ground because it really values so much good golf or some other course you get away with hitting one skinny. It lands by the hole, takes half a bounce and stops. Like you can get away with that and then, you know, roll in a 15 footer out here. If you don't hit a great shot, you will not hit have 15 feet is just not going to happen. You even look at the most remarkable thing. JT lays up on 10, which I didn't even think was a thing anymore. <laughs> and he hits like this unbelievable oh. cutty, like 60, 70 yarder. And it just shows just how skilled he is at, everything but at that right there because that is that is abnormal man to be able to do that like that that takes i don't care it's 70 yards you need to hit your number you need to hit your line and that thing better be spinning like crazy because uh, you know every shot out uh every shot in any green is hard to stop and that one especially so that's remarkable in its own right so uh but yeah that's everyone i think that's why Riviera gets so much praise but the cool part about riv is even when it rains and it gets a little soft it's still hard because now it's playing longer and um and now you're you're having to hit those shots with a little bit more room for error because of the 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 softness of the greens but you're hitting a seven iron where you might have been hitting a nine to the same size sections obviously and it it's tough man it is difficult you get a little ocean wind and all of that becomes very uh daunting i guess a quick break here to check in with our friends at Cash App. You can use code NOLANGUP, all one word, at Cash App and get a free $15. All new users get a free $15 and Cash App sets aside $10 for each sign up to Youth On Course. So you are paying for a round of golf for a junior golfer. All you have to do is sign up. Not only that, we're going to be running some contests in the future. Uh, basically kind of encouraging you guys to send in questions. And if your question gets chosen on the show, we're going to send you straight cash. But you're going to need a cash tag for it. So everyone needs to get signed up now. Cash App is the easiest way to send, spend, and save your money. You can put money straight into stocks. You can buy Bitcoin with it. You can settle bets with it. You can pay bills through it. You can do all kinds of crazy things with Cash App. It's, it's genuinely fun to scroll around on the Cash App. If you can't tell, we've had a lot of fun with it. We're doing all of our bets in Bitcoin this year. And again, you get 15 free dollars when you sign up with code NOLANGUP. Not only that, $10 going to Youth on Course, the 501c3 charity that we've chosen uh, for the, the proceeds to go to. Again, sign up, cash app, promo code no laying up. Let's get back to Max Homo. There's some hard, hard. I mean, that was the thing watching Neiman come down the stretch. Was like Even as good a golf as he played for three and a half days was kind of like, dude, you better hit this tee shot on 13. Like, you oh, better yeah. hit this fairway on 15. Like, you're going to drop shot there. You're going to drop a shot there. Like, there's just nowhere to hide. Let's go to 10. What? Tell me about the strategy of playing number 10. Uh, should that whole change? Is it, if I'm looking at it, it seems like it's the ultimate fun to watch, but kind of unfair hole at this point. But at the same time, I can't wait to watch guys come through. What's, what's your thought process on how 10 plays and how you play it? Every time I think of it, I just think of DJ pie, the, the goat, uh, it's the, it's the hole. That's the king of chaos. So I, you know, I, I answered it this week uh, in, in some, 
interview and they said, is it, you know, what do you think about 10? And I said, it's either the best hole in the world or it's the worst hole in the world. And it's nothing in between. It's one of those two. And, but it doesn't mean I don't love it. If it is the worst hole, it's not, I don't love it. Cause I think we could use a little more chaos if they are going to change something all like what they have to do is they, they really just have to, you can do both of these or one of them, but you almost have to raise like a slight like lip in front of the back bunker because the ball just like, it just keeps trick. You, you, it's not like you need it. I don't, I hope people don't think I'm like saying you need it to stop it. It's just, you could hit an unbelievable pitch there, like in, in the tournament and it just gets onto the fringe and then rolls into the back bunker and then rolls kind of down on the downslope. And that bunker shot is a nightmare as it is. So the second part you could do to, to fight that if you're only going to do one is if you just extended that back bunkers depth, just like a two, another two steps so that you had just some form of like a flat lie. I think that would be another way to do it. But at the same time, I love it because it's just crazy. I mean, we literally just hit it into the trees some days and yeah. just take it. Like it's the only time I hit a driver on a Sunday and Joe, I, I didn't quite cut it enough, but that's kind of what our miss was. Cause you can't be right. And Joe's a great shot. And we get in there. I have to hit a flop shot over a tree from like 45 yards. If I hit the tree, I'm screwed. Uh, Leash was right next to me. He didn't get it far enough. It trickled because the severity of the green, it looked like it stopped. And now he's like in a most dead spot ever. Doesn't get that on the green makes six. Um, But I love it because you can always pitch it to the front right of the green and then work your way around. But that, pitch or whatever like colin makes that chip right on sunday i watched the video it was going in the back bunker i would say like almost (laughs) guaranteed which is an okay spot all in all the very back right bunker is actually kind of the best leave if you're if you're going to if it's a pin pin in the back um but it's i i think it's a fun hole because it scares the hell out of you and it's 270 yards the front so i think that's good there's definitely some parts where i'd be like "Ah, it'd be nice if it was like a little bit soft not softer but like a flatter in the back part of that green for like being six to eight paces wide back there you know it's also on a down slope and the greens are firm so it's like if we want to match all our favorite things it's like we all love firm but then you add that element it's like well now i don't know what to do uh you know if if i'm gonna like not get it past pin high so but i love i love it it's just uh they could change i just think back in the back in the day it was softer and like hitting a wedge in there wasn't outrageous now JT hitting a 60 yard wedge shot that goes onto the green. You're like, wow, that's an amazing shot, which is cool. But it's like, maybe it could be a little bit, a little bit more room for error, but I don't know. It's a fun hole because anything can happen. I remember two years ago when Adam Scott won, Harold Varner was leading. I was the group in front of him and we're all kind of chasing Adam and Harold at the moment. And Harold, I think popped up his tee shot on 10. We waited. Oh, topped it. We waited behind the green to watch what somebody looks like hitting a seven iron into that green. And of course it, you know, I think he made bogey, but it's like all of us stopped to watch the golf shot. Cause we know how impossible it is. Um, so I think that's the fun of it, but yeah, I mean, it could be a shade. I don't know how, like the, you, I heard you guys podcast talking about like, uh, that hole and TC saying, I don't know what he, like, I really don't know what he would make from shore to the green without have, just using a putter, like a round thing, because the quality of shot you have to, to hit to stop it on the green from anywhere is like high 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 like it's freaking hard leishman's got the one of the best short games i've ever seen in my life he clips this uh his third shot from behind the bunker off the fairway he clipped the hell out of it, it was pure but it came out too low and spinny and it goes in the bunker and he makes six and it's like geez like it's not like he really hit a bad shot there but he just made a six that's why i can't tell uh 
it seems I can't tell if I love or hate this, but it seems like it's not a great test of skill. Like I think yeah. I actually kind of like, you know, you're kind of just hitting something towards the front left, hoping to end up in a great spot. As good as you guys are, you do not have precision from 290 to no. hit it like right <laughs> to this spot where you're going to have the best angle to chip up that green. And that's where it's, you know, I don't know. It's kind of fun to watch just kind it's of randomized so situations to be like, all right, how does he handle this? Let's see what happens. And everyone's got to go through it four times. I like it. Cause it, it may see, it also shows you how you uh, handle like a little bit of adversity too, because it is, it is like, I'm going to use this word because and it, and I don't mean it this way, but just lack of a better term. It is unfair yes. at times. Like, but again, the fair part is you can always go short, right again and start the hole over and just add a shot. Like you can just add a shot to your, but like it takes like some, like wherewithal and it takes kind of some maturity i guess to do that so i like seeing that uh but yeah i mean at the same time the hole is like it's legitimately outrageous but uh <laughs> i mean you i don't know you get to see some really cool shots there i mean scotty scheffler on sunday hit in that short short bunker and hit a beautiful bunker shot to like 12 15 feet and that's a lot of skill around the greens a lot of skill off the tee it's not i mean it's really don't neck it and hit it right and then and then you, if you hit a great quality shot you could have a putt for birdie um if you don't feel like you can you kind of then have to take the long way in and try to make a four or five but i would say that's one of the interesting holes right i'm on that tee trying to make four and uh after i hit my tee shot then i reassess and be like okay uh you know maybe we can make three now uh but most short par fours you're like okay i i need to make a three here where do i leave it to make a three this one you're like where do i leave it where i'll have an option to make a four and if things go really well like I'll, I'll look at three. It's, it's a tricky little hole, man. Hmm. What, uh, are you packing a little extra distance so far in 2022 that ball in Phoenix? I know it, it wasn't humid out there and then that makes the ball go super far, <laughs> but, uh, you look like you're sending it a little bit more this year. If I'm looking at the data on data golf as well, you're gaining distance pretty much every week now. Yeah, we, uh, obviously we work with Blackburn for a little over a year and, and he long-term wanted to get a little more distance. I, I have, like the levers, like I, I'm pretty tall and I got long arms uh, where I should be able to get it out there pretty good. Um, I've never hit it that far. Um, I've always been above average, but never in that like next echelon of distance, which I'm still not in, but we've wanted to, but um, you know, I, I never had like great range of motion in certain areas, I guess, for distance. Um, started working with Colby uh, K Wayne uh, K Wayne fitness. Uh, he's got, you know, JT and Taylor Gooch. I started working with him because of Taylor, you know, he's the guy who you'll see in pictures with tiger. Uh, that's his trainer. And I mean, we started working together right before the Fortinet and, uh, it's crazy. Cause I haven't really felt like I've done anything different in my swing and, and I'm, I'm getting it out there a lot further. I went to Titleist like three weeks ago before, uh, Tori and, uh, there was pretty cool. JJ, uh, who always fits me uh, and he's on the road with us had like a spreadsheet of like my comparison of people on the PG tour and then the top 50 in the world. And it was uh, in a lot of areas like apex of iron shots, uh, this and that, but when we got to driver, my, my average ball speed was actually really high. I think I was like 15th of those 50 and you know, the top 50 typically for the most part, minus maybe kids uh, hit it, hit it pretty hard. So I'm like pretty close to the top, but my launch angle and my spin were like, damn near the worst i think i was like 48th 49th hmm. so kind of fitting i uh, got a different uh shaft uh in a driver that would launch it a bit higher and spin it a little less um and all of a sudden like for those two three weeks you know i started seeing these great results and like maybe some work paying off but without doing anything differently but it's been fun because i do 
feel like I can bomb it now. The thing was, is I play with Adam and uh, DJ Thursday, Friday. I felt like a child. Like they were <laughs> so far ahead of me on some holes. I was like, Jesus, Joe. I'm like, so I go back on, I sometimes go on like that data thing. Um, uh, that the, the getting their PJ tour app has, and it'll show your ball speed. And my ball speed's still like crazy high for me. And I'm like, God dang, they hit it hard. You know, like I just can't keep up, but, uh, I'm definitely, it's definitely a part of the game. I think I need to, uh, to have to like jump to like the top 10 in the world. We talked to, uh, Brody in the off season and, and he said basically like, you know, certain areas I could pick up the strokes gain stuff. That's kind of how he works is if I could gain, you know, three more yards off the tee, uh, it would boost, uh, that, that stat up a lot. If, even if I lost, if, even if I missed one more fairway, uh, it just gained a little bit of distance. So I've been seeing that, you know, my driving, uh, has been getting a lot more accurate and you add a little bit of pop into it. And all of a sudden I can, you know, turn these par fives into really scorable holes and feel a little more comfortable trying to fly a bunker. I believe that on this tour and until they, unless they change something like the 310 carry 300 to 310 carry is a big deal. Cause I think it opens up the fairways enormously. And, um, you know, I was always sitting in that 295 ish area of carry and the fairways feel like they're the smallest. Um, you have a few guys who can always fly that. And it feels, feels like you, you can really take advantage of a golf course compared to your counterparts. And uh, I'm getting that a little bit where I feel a little more comfy, you know, Joe will look at a bunker and be like, that's no problem today. And I can remember back in the day, I had to think about that thing getting over it. So it's been a boost, but uh, I haven't done much different except honestly, Colby has like just a little of stuff, hip stability, a little bit of hip strength, a little more range of motion in my arms and uh, shoulders. And all of a sudden, like I can, uh, it's fun to see. I mean, I know you did the speed thing like it's it's a it's honestly fun to do like just to see improvement in that and like throw down some sort of like launch monitor and and watch yourself be able to pick up some speed but you got to be careful because i know a lot of guys not just tour players just regular people who i'm like oh i heard you're smashing it and he's like yeah but like i can't play from that so it's like learn how to play from it you watch jt as a great way to do it he gets his kind of heel off the ground i'll do that here and there um so learning new ways to do that without being crazy uh but yeah it's definitely uh you know it's a shout out to the the guys fitting me mark and and colby because i haven't really changed a whole lot but is it about having a a better cruising speed than it is a, a higher max speed i mean that's that's the only benefit I've seen is like, all right, well, my, my cruising drive is maybe three mile an hour faster. And that helps so much. It helps me feel like I don't need to wail on one to crush one. Is that fair at, the, at your level? Everyone's different. I know that's why or I'm pretty sure that's why Bryson does it, uh, which is, uh, and it's really smart. I had never thought about that, but like when I was at Titleist, Mark had me hit like five to 10 drives as hard as I possibly could. And then I just went back to the normal ones just to keep testing the driver. And all of a sudden my speed was up like, you know, a couple miles an hour and that'd be cool, but I don't do it for that. I I've always played in like a, uh, a, a smooth kind of like tempo feel of driver. Cause I, when I hit it out the middle, uh, like again, I'm, I'm kind of lucky with, with the length of my arms and this and that, that I can create a decent amount of speed. I like it more because I'm getting more comfortable swinging hard at it and having a second gear to like fly something or when I need one to get out there, like 18 at 18 at uh, waste management was a perfect example on Sunday. And I think Saturday, I mean, I, I, I there's the water is, you know, 295 ish to cover this other bunkers like 305 310 and it was a bit downwind and it's hot and not humid at all and uh 
And, but I was like, man, like if I, if, you know, I'm going to give this one a, a ride and cut it off that bunker. And I, the both days, I mean, I flew the little corner on Sunday. I had like, you know, 75, 80 yards in. And like, for me, I use it more as like a booster. Cause I like playing in that, in the, 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 my, my cruising probably isn't much higher than it typically is. I just have a little bit more go. Um, but I, again, I think some, most people are probably using it so that they're smooth is a lot faster, but it feels under control. But part of that probably is, you know, when I'm practicing more with the, with, with a little bit harder one, um, I imagine that, you know, I'm less fearful to go at one, maybe even in cruising, maybe a little harder. I'm just not noticing it, but, um, yeah, that's where all the speed training stuff does make a lot of sense. It's like, it's, you know, same reason why, you know, baseball players would swing three bats. It's like, you just want it to feel a little bit easier to get moving, uh, feel lighter. Um, but, you know, it's an interesting thing out here because you, I think there was a huge hype on the distance, uh, sorry, the players gaining distance and like getting into it and you still see it now, but so many of those guys come back and be like, no, I actually like the way I was playing. Like this is, this is messing up little things here and there. I mean, shoot it. It can mess up your iron game. So it's a very, it's a fickle business. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It's a, you know, there's some downstream effects to pretty much everything you do in that, um, changing gears here completely. It's been, uh, a lot of the topic of conversation around golf has not been Let's around run the, it. <laughs> the golf that's being played on the golf course. Uh, I just wanted to talk to a tour pro this week about what, you know, the last several weeks and months have been like, especially, uh, yeah, you have a relationship with Phil Mickelson. I'm curious if you guys have talked much lately. What, what's it been like to be among these rumors and, and stories and smoke? And is there fire there of, of everything that's gone on over the last weeks and months? I mean, yeah. Yeah, there's been some smoke and, you know, I, I, I admittedly don't know a ton. I've been trying to ask around a little bit. I've had more like conjecture with, you know, Taylor and I will talk about it a lot. We always joke pretty much for the last month. Every time I see Taylor, he'll come up to me or I'll come up to him and be like, Hey, uh, you know, do you want to talk or have you signed an NDA? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, we don't know a lot. We hear things from other players. Uh, but what's that conversation? Like what are other players? Like, you know, I'm so curious about that element of it. Well, I'll just ask that. So I've just been very curious about this, uh, personally. Um, I, I know, and I think I know as much as you guys do about like this whole, the captains and what they've been offered and, and how that's going to work. Like I get that, you know, but that that's not new news. The thing that's been kind of interesting to me is they're saying how close this, the whole thing is, but if they haven't called me and they haven't called Taylor, then they can't be that close. I mean, Taylor's one of the best players in the world. Uh, I'm, you know, 30 something in the world. Like we would be in that next conversation. So if we don't know anything, I don't, I don't know how close they could be. So we've just been so curious. We've been talking about like, you know, would you do it? What would you do it for? Um, you know, how, how would that work? Uh, is it worth it? Or do you just want to take where all these guys leave and now we're the head honchos of the PGA tour. Like we have those conversations a lot. And then we both have conversations of like, Oh, I talked to so-and-so this week. And I heard that, you know, how the money is going to be distributed, but everyone's different. And like, so I know like little things like that, or I think little things like that. Um, but we also hear the smoke and the fire of like the Bryson and Phil stuff. Like we, we knew that they were heavy on the, on the, on the topic and heavy on going to that tour. We don't know what that means because again, I don't, from all accounts, it's, it can't be that close. Like it can't be that close to being ready because they need more than 12 guys. And, and uh, I still don't know who all the captains would be. Cause I know a couple of the people who have been offered captains uh, captainship and they're not totally sold on the idea. So it's like, it's never felt that close. It just, it did feel close to something like what just happened last week happening. Like you knew somebody was going to come out and say something. 
Um, I didn't think it was going to be that, uh, but we kind of <laughs> knew it would be one of those couple guys. Um, I was pretty surprised to hear the Dustin Johnson come out and, and kind of uh, pledges his allegiance to the PGA tour just because um, rumor had it again, not talking to him, but like that he was going to you know be one of the guys to jump ship. So when he says no, that I'm like, man, maybe all this info I had uh, isn't, isn't valid at all. But um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's fun to talk about. Cause like, the guys who don't have these, um, the info, it's like all conjecture and it's kind of hilarious. Cause we can play like the fantasy game of like, you know, well, you know, like Taylor and I would say something like, all right, how much money would they have to offer you? And both of us would say something like, I need more time than money. Really? Like, I don't want, if, even if they gave me enough money in two years to kind of retire, I don't want to retire when I'm 33 years old. Like I love playing golf. And then, but then he'd be like, all right, what if they give you $40 million? And it's like, oh man, you know, now it's a hard, harder question. Right. But uh, obviously that's not realistic. So it's like us playing that game. But at the same time, like we always have the conversation of, as I mentioned earlier, it's like T if, if 30 guys leave this tour, like we become like Dustin and JT <laughs> and Rom like very quickly. And that would be really cool also. Um, you know, I thought I answered it all right. And like what the, uh, kind of my, my view on the whole tour itself, I think it's a really entertaining idea. I think it would be, uh, if it's done properly, it would be good for golf because I do think the team thing is really interesting. I've always thought that having maybe jerseys for teams and, and, and other sports is what we kind of lack in golf. Um, if you're rooting for Dustin Johnson to, to win the, the golf tournament, you want to see him in person Saturday, Sunday, well, he missed the cut this week, which is rare, but he missed the cut. And now as a fan, you are missing out on one of the most interesting, greatest players to ever live. Um, and in this case, it would be, you know, everyone's playing all the days. It'd be easier to sell. Uh, so I think that there's a lot of interest there, but at the same time, like for the rest of my life, every single time I play Riviera and the Genesis Invitational, whatever ends up getting called in 20 years, it's like, I'm going to have the chills. And I don't think I'd have the chills playing any event over there. Um, or I know I wouldn't because there's just not, there's no juice to it. There's no history to it. And that matters a little bit. The reason the masters is the masters is yeah. The golf course is tremendous. The whole thing they do is tremendous, but it's the masters. Like that's why. And it's so you would miss that. And, and I, I hope, I hope people keep leaning on towards, towards staying uh, on the PJ tour. I don't personally believe all these bad, horrible things. People, you know, a couple of people have said about the tour are, are really that valid. Um, they may know more than me, but I, I don't believe that I've enjoyed my time there. There's definitely things I'd like to change, but they're not things that I would, uh, compare to, uh, you know, <laughs> serious crimes against humanity. So that's what I, you know, I, you, you mentioned they're kind of the fun game. You know, you guys are kind of joking about $40 million, anything like that. It, I don't get the sense that there's a lot of chatter amongst tour guys about like, Hey, just like quick pause on this. Like, is this too good to be true? Like, cause it kind of sounds a little too good to be true. And like, you know, are oh, we some... talk, we talk about that. Okay. But it, it yeah. doesn't seem to lead the conversation. Right. So that's what I'm no. trying to get at is like, all right, one, does it seem too good to be true Two, like, have we fully thought out about the sustainability of this league? Things like that. Yeah. Three, like, it, I think it's quite obvious what they're doing with this money and the goal of it. Like, is that a concern among players? I think as I'm sitting here, not being offered that money, it would be, I would can say like, it would be a huge concern of mine. What, what's your perspective on that? It, okay. Yeah. So we, we do talk about that. Here's the tricky part. Like, and, and I, and I, I don't want to come off as like, you know, there's never enough money, right? Like I, I get it. I'm leading. This as I'm very happy. And I think most of us are very happy with what we make. 
the issues I think people have with wrestling, this idea of like guaranteed money is we do not get guaranteed money out here. Like sure. the, the tour has done an amazing job the last couple of years, especially this year of pumping money into tournaments. We just looked at Joaquin just made $2.1 million uh, for winning the Genesis. That's amazing. The players is up a bazillion dollars. We're going to, if you play well there, you will make a bazillion dollars. But if you miss that cut, that money does not matter at all. Like it doesn't matter at all. I'm not blaming the tour. They have to look out for everybody. But the thing is we have no guarantees that we're going to get any of that pie. If I get hurt, if I just have a rough, you know, a couple of months, I'm getting none of the benefits of all of that money. So the idea for a professional golfer to get guaranteed money, like another sport where, you know, I got a buddy who plays baseball. He signed like a $220 million deal a couple of years ago. And I'm like, damn, you know, he didn't even have a great season last season and he's still getting that money. And I'm, he's still annoyed he didn't play great baseball, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, but at least you got that, you know, you, you proved yep. what you were worth. And I think all of us out here, if you've had a good career so far, you've proved what you're worth, but you still don't just get that money. And that's a one, it is the beauty of this game. And I do like that. But if you're going to, if you're going to uh, kind of tease me with a guaranteed amount of a lump sum of money that could, it's not changing my life as Rory said, but it would make things like comfy, I guess. It's hard to just be like, ah, no, it's comes from a bad place. And I get that. That sounds stupid. To, I, I wrestle with that thought in my head that, that I would just say, oh, but it's enough money, you know, but like we don't get guarantees out here. You know, you could hurt, I could hurt my wrist tomorrow and never get to play. I have a buddy, Scott Pinkney, who's a tremendous golfer, hurt his back, can't really play much golf anymore. And it's like, he, he was never guaranteed a dollar and that's tough. So it's just like little things like that kind of keep it lingers in your head. But so the guys do talk about that. We do talk about the too good to be true because it does sound like it's a hobby for these, uh, the, this group doing it, um, the, the SGL. Uh, and that's scary because if um, I, I've heard rumors that the way you get paid is, uh, you know, you get a lump sum for the first tournament and then the next term you get a little bit more and a little bit more. Well, if they bail on that after one tournament, yeah, you probably got a lump sum, but those guys have so much money. Like that's not enough to like basically end your golf stuff you know so it's like that that people are definitely like a little bit um uh a little bit leaning on the fence on that and definitely questioning it a bit and i think that's good because again i don't want people to leave this uh the pga tour i don't want people to jump ship so the fact that more guys than not are pretty aware of of the kind of like icky factor of like oh, we don't really know how this is going to work but i'll say that the the a lot, like some of the top guys like they're they're qualms with the thing with with the tour and the it's just the payment i guess it's you know i I know that phil talks about the um the the rights to his media and whatever like i don't me i don't have any value in that i don't have golf shots that like i'm i would be selling like so i guess that that's just maybe a top top guy thing but there's just some stuff like hey when a purse goes up on tour we are all kind of like oh that's amazing but it's like eh, we didn't actually continue with the same percentage that it should be, um, you know, with the, I know the U S open, uh, years ago, there was a, a big kind of frustration with the players because they got that new deal from Fox. I think it was whatever it was, our purse went up a bunch, but somebody in the player meeting stood up and said, Hey, just so you guys know, like we should be making $3.5 million to win this tournament. If we kept the scale, the same scale. And, um, that's just the stuff I think people get bothered by. Um, I know back in the day, you know, the WNBA, there was, um, yeah, they, they were talking about how they're underpaid, underpaid. And that's the, how the headline goes. And I'm thinking, man, like, you know, I don't, I don't watch much WNBA. Like, you know, how, how could they be underpaid if they're not bringing in the value? Then I 
actually read for once because I wanted to learn what I was missing. And it wasn't that they were saying that they just deserve more money because they deserve more money. It was that they were making a lower percentage uh, for the whole nut of the WNBA than like the NBA made. Like, you know, let's just, these are horrible numbers, but let's say the, the NBA players make 20% of that money. Like the WNBA was making 12 and a half percent. It's like, that is being underpaid. Like you deserve your cut. And so our cut every time these deals go through from what I'm hearing is not the, the scale is, is not the same. So yes, we, we all of a sudden make a bunch more money, but it should be more. And I think that's the big guy's kind of problem with it. Um, but I mean, at the same time, it's a lot of money. So it's like one of those sticky things. Like I, I don't, I don't care so much, but yeah, that's not even what I would change as, as much as anything, but that's where the guys who are making a bunch of money and, and, and honestly, for what they do for the tour and, and for, for me and all the players, they deserve more money in that. Uh, if that's how the, they, they deserve the same scale for however much going forward. Well, and there is absolutely something to like, yes, you guys make a lot of money, but you don't want to be underpaid, right? If somebody yeah, yeah. else is making a lot of money off of you hypothetically, and or if you are, you know, let's just, let's say it's not Saudi. If it's the DP world tour and you know, whatever, you got 300K that you made this week. But if on the DP World Tour, that would have been worth 700K. Yeah, that what the hell's pressure. going on here? Yeah. Like, how is that? How is this happening? Like you, There's something to, and some people can label it as greed of like not wanting to be underpaid in that regard. But I would say the same thing. If there was a podcast that was making way more money like than we make and getting way less listens, I'd be like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. That's not apples to apples, but there is an element to that. And I think it's a hard block for you guys to be on because it can get uh, you can get labeled as greedy very, yeah. very quickly in that regard. We look like assholes when we talk about how we don't get paid enough. And and that's and and I totally trust me, I get it. Like, I, I think I get played paid plenty. But to your to that analogy, like. So I was talking to a, another uh, one of the uh, they had a bunch of, you know, athletes or whatever at the waste management for the pro-am day. And I was talking to uh, one of my buddies about this lockout. And one of my problems with lockouts in, in the sports world is always that people always jump on and say, man, um, so-and-so is overpaid. And I always say, if you took that guy and paid him less money, let's say, whatever you think is his value, that money just goes to the owner. Like, Right. So you want the billionaire to make <laughs> yeah, more money. Exactly. And he made a good point. He said, you know, all of our as athletes um, income is very public. Like you, I can click two buttons on an app right now and you can see how much money I've made in my life on the golf course. But I don't know exactly what everybody at, you know, the tour office makes. I don't know what the CEOs of uh, certain companies make or, of, or, or owners of teams make. Like, I don't know that exact number because it's not as public. I'm sure I could find it, but it's not as public. So for some reason, when the athlete talks about money, we come off as greedy because I get it. There's people at home working their ass off to make, you know, a very, you know, very normal and, and not, ex- I know like, what you mean. Yes. <laughs> huge amount of money. So I get that. Um, but yeah, I, so it's like we're it's like this fine line we have to kind of dance around because yeah, to your point, if I was let's say I was working at In and Out and the guy next to me is working at In and Out and I'm making ten dollars an hour and he's making nine and we're doing the exact same job, it's like whoa, like why? Like why? That's frustrating. And then I find out that it's because the owner's taking that extra dollar for himself. Now I don't know how all that's working. All I know is that the scale of how things are are being paid out isn't increasing at this same uh, level or at the same speed. Um, and even if it was, if I complain about money 
it's just more we get hammered so fast for it so we just kind of avoid it like this is probably the most i've talked about it like outside of like just talking with friends but it's not that i think that i deserve more money or that whatever it's just that you just want it to be like quote unquote fair like you want it to make sense you want it to be even and um maybe it honestly maybe it is but i'm just hearing from what the players who have looked up and like done the research or whatever um like that that's what they're telling me um i'm not freaking out about any of it because again i like my life everything's cool but yeah you just want it to be whatever and that's why you have a a league like this with a little carrot above you and it's like man that does sound pretty nice because it feels like you know you're kind of getting your worth i guess but if my worth is what it is right now i'd be stoked for the rest of my life so it's a very fine balance but i just never understood why the athletes get hammered for talking about oh i need more money it's like you guys are so greedy it's like the person who's getting that money has billions of dollars and they're like scraping around like a a little bit more so but that's just i mean that's just life everybody would like a little bit uh more money for for the comfort but rory said it perfectly it's not going to change your life um it's it's it'd be nice but it's not going to change your life but it's also you know and i'm curious you don't sound like you're uh, as you're not you're not a ringleader in any of this you're just kind of hearing what other people are saying and i'm honestly curious to hear that because i've i've looked at the pj tour financials and i've heard what phil mickelson is saying about how much they're paying out and there's a big big gap between what he's saying and you know so like is the sentiment or what is the sentiment among tour players like about like do people think that the tour is just sitting on a huge pile of money that they're not giving players for some reason that they're the executives are hoarding too much money that the uh, you know, the headquarters, they spent too much money on the tournaments cost too much money to where, what, what is the uh, what is maybe missing there? And this can be your words or what you're hearing from other people there. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I don't, that's a great question. I haven't heard people like exactly say like what we think they're doing with the money. Um, <laughs> again, my, my problem is not, like if I had to change things, mine would not be the money part. Like I don't really, I think we get paid fine. Um, But when people tell me what they think, then I'm like, Oh, I get, you know, I get their point of view, but that's not what I would change. Um, I I mean, I would definitely say that when you build like the super building they have um, and you build the players driveway for however, or sorry, the TPC Sawgrass driveway for however much that was. um, And then we find out that uh, we're making uh, our purse went up. 500,000 to a million dollars at an event like you're like okay that doesn't seem even you know like like in in both worlds like that doesn't seem even I don't think that the executives are making too much money I don't I don't know where that money would be going it's just if I'm being paid if if I'm being paid 50% let's just say for even because I'm not great at math if I'm getting paid 50% of all total revenue and let's just say that's a hundred dollars and then we find out that we got 50 more dollars into our bank from some TV deal or some whatever, what uh, anything it is, and now I'm making 35% of that dollar, which again, I this none of this may be true. But I'm just saying. Then you'd be like, well, that's weird. And I think right. that's where a lot of the guys have a problem is the numbers they look into. They don't believe the exact number numbers that maybe the tour is showing, um, and, and they have all those all those kind of problems with it. I haven't looked into it, so I don't actually have a problem with that. If I, maybe I looked into it and I believe what they believed. Yeah, maybe I'd be a little bit more perturbed about the whole financial situation, but I'm just hearing what they say about that. But no, yeah, no, to your great question, because nobody ever says like, oh, that, you know, Jay's making too much money. I've never heard anybody say that. Never heard anybody say like Tyler Dennis making too much money. So I don't know where they think that money is. Um, but there's definitely, you know, there's a couple of tournaments I know that would want to pump more money into their event, but they can't because, 
uh, the tour doesn't want that event elevated above. I mean, that was the whole thing I think with the, the U S open is we could have got paid that money, but it's like now all of a sudden the U S opens double as important as every event because sorry, but like the money does make the tournaments. I mean, the four majors are legacy and they're the majors, but they're also more money. Like, yeah, that's, that's why people work just in general. Like, yeah, we all would love a legacy, but at the same time, one person wins a week. Uh, no one gives a, a, a shit if you finish 12th, but you do if it's for, for me, because it's a little bit more money. And, and it, I don't know, maybe if they made this, the understanding of how many points you get for each finish on FedEx wise, it would help a lot because you, I could start to value 10th place in points instead of uh, but points are money, money. But, points are money, yeah, but it's hard. I don't They're like, I always, <laughs> I'm trying nowadays, we get a sheet at the end of each week and you see what place pays what, and then you see what place uh, gives how many points I'm trying to get an understanding of. Cause I, you know, Kevin Chapel, who's a buddy of mine uh, has been on a medical and at waste management was his last start. And he needed X amount of points. I can't remember what it was like t- 12 points. And I was like, I have no idea what place Done. that is. So I had to go up. <laughs> I went home and like looked up what he needed to finish. And it was like, it was so, it's so funny that I'd done this for so many years and I have not one clue. So maybe that would help a little bit, but again, I don't, I'm cool with the the money, but I know that the top, top guys, I get it. When you're like the CEO of a, basically a fortune 500 company as a, as the, the, the athlete that they are, they have to start looking at things in a way, sure. or maybe not have to, but they look at things a little bit differently than me. No, I, I greatly appreciate the perspective there because it, uh, it seems like there is a gap in understanding how things flow amongst tour players and information flowing. I'm not, I'm not saying that's on the tour players. I'm not saying that's on the tour, but there just seems, I think it's starting to close a little bit, but yeah. I don't think Phil has helped with uh, no, but I, I would say, yeah, f- honestly, Phil didn't help that at all, but I would say that there's more people than you would, than, than are being said or that, that you would think that are actually looking into those numbers, sitting down with pe- uh, people running through like, Hey, are we kind of not making the the same scale we should be. So people are looking into it. And those are the people I'm kind of talking to. Now, again, I am not going to have these big qualms about it until I do it myself. Um, but uh, again, I don't have that big of an interest in it at the moment, but uh, so you're hearing it from other people, but people are looking into it, man. Like it's not, it's not, we're all not just like following Phil's leadership of we are owed $20 billion or right. whatever the hell it is. And I think with Rory as chairman of the pack, like it's, you got a pretty good uh, and transparent person that can help bridge that gap among, yeah. among the players. I think uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't really know how all that governance works exactly, but it's, um, that's also the very odd part is because you hear it's a player run organization and I kind of get it, but like at the same time, I have a lot of buddies that are on that and it's still pretty hard. It's not like if it was purely player run, like there's a rumor Harry and Joel are going to get fined for having their shirt off uh, at on 16 at waste management. And like, we would vote on that. And I think that they wouldn't get their, them fine. You know, I don't know if they're going to, but like, we don't I, it's hard to have a big say it has been funny it's, it's, it's probably not the easiest name now to use as like a, a fun person to to learn from uh in these meetings but charlie hoffman's a good friend of mine and uh you know he he would kind of funnel information so i would know what's going on with the player run organization because it's you know i don't know what's going in all these meetings but it's nice knowing what his angles on things because you know his he he had a basically a first-hand experience of hearing what the executives say. And then uh, he would ask us what we thought. And then he bring that to a meeting, you know? So like that, that's, that's the tough part is we don't, you know, I, I don't have a huge voice in this thing. Um, but at the same time, I'm also allowed to just run and, and try to be in the, on the pack. Uh, so I'm allowed that opportunity. So maybe I'll do that at some point to, you know, 
be able to complain with, with an actual reason. Cause I'm actually doing something about it. It's like complaining about the president of the United States and you didn't vote. Like, I feel like you give up that right. So I, I, I don't complain about, I have things again, I'd change, but um, the, the finances and, and the ins, little ins and outs, I, I, I don't have much, uh, much to stand on. Cause I don't really know anything. Right. That's where like, uh, I, I, one, I have to check myself every now and then because I feel like I'm taking the side of the tour way too often. But it's like, you know, imagine that you're one of what, 200 members or so? Like, yeah, yeah. your interest versus everyone else too. It's like, it's got to be so hard to to satisfy everyone involved with yeah. that. But it did, so the the Harry and Joel thing, it, it <laughs> my, where I'm sitting, it was a great highlight. It was entertaining. The tour steered into it and generated highlight for it and posted it. Yet I still think they should probably be fine. I think Harry even said like 100% I should be yeah, fine. Yeah. Like it kind of, I think they actually played that one decently well, assuming they do get fine. Cause it's kind of like, yeah, dude, you probably can't like take your shirt off and whip it around PD Pop, yeah. but on the green. But I mean, the story, the story uh, as it goes is Joel's story is one of the funniest things I've ever heard because just at the very end, he's like you know me and harry get in the tunnel walking to 17 and we put our clothes back on and i just started i'm like yeah man he's like yeah it wasn't great we looked around like what the hell just happened but yeah i mean they they both are taking it in stride it's all good uh, the, i had a problem with the fact that the tours instagram is posting it like for two days and it probably you know it, it did probably great numbers for the event and again do i think that they should have done it no do i think it's hilarious yes do i think it's bad for the game no um, but you know, you got to set up a, a precedent at some point of like, you don't want people doing that all the time. It's the same with the beer throwing Justin Thomas chips in from the back of the green and gets the beers thrown at him. It's like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Like that's yeah. too much. So we need to set some kind of boundary or some kind of wall as to when you can go insane. Um, but it's just like, they were kept posting about it. And I, every time I'd see it, I'm like, you, I know what you guys are about to do and this doesn't feel fun, but I know that there's also a disconnect from the tours, uh, uh social media team to the higher ups who make these rules. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that it just it came off as kind of ironic. Uh, I agree. Contradictory that you guys are praising them while taking money from them for it. it so it was icky there. But I also they 100% deserve to be fine. But. One, the money goes to charity, right? For fines. <laughs> yes. One and two, like it, uh, you know, generating the highlights might bring more people watching it, which might bring more sponsors. Oh, yeah. Dollars. That's what we talked so about. I told Joel, circular. like, you, we're going to make more money. You're going to make more money personally because of what you did than right. the, the money you might get fined. So. But it was, man, that was was an all time funny, funny thing. See, it's great. What, uh, I know we got to wrap here soon, but what, uh, what's Netflix involvement been like for you so far? Have you, have you shot much with them? Have you got an idea of what that's going to look like? Yeah. You know, it's been, it's weird and and cool. I I still love it. I didn't really know what it was going to entail. I don't think anyone did. Um, uh, there was a wives event at the waste management, uh, where, uh, the pros uh, and the husbands or boyfriends caddy for their wives and girlfriends. So we did it. It was so much fun. So Lacey and I were mic'd up for in our group. I think that would be, it's not going to be the greatest content you've ever seen, but I thought that was really cool that they did that. And then uh, our one regret so far is we haven't been mic'd up for a, a round other than a practice round yet. And they wanted to do it Saturday at waste management. And I wish I would have done it because it was the most fun round of golf I've ever been a part of. It was wow. surreal. It would have been really cool for people to see. And I kind of, they're still going to have footage, but it was, it was bananas. So, um, so that's been cool. I did a practice round mic'd up, uh, at Riviera. I did a lot more content at Riviera just cause it was kind of, as they told me prior, it was going to be kind of my, a little bit more of maybe a me heavy week, uh, just given my ties to the city and what happened last season. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, randomly, like I went to a little, uh, taco Tuesday at Joel's house and I kind of walked in, I'm eating in the corner, I have my dog and, uh, you know, Lacey are eating with the, there's a lot of people there and we're kind of just hanging out. And then I went over to say bye to Joel and thank him or whatever. And there's like cameras around and a mic. And I'm like, Oh, this is, this is weird. Like I'm not ready. I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready for this one, but trying to get a little more used to it, but on the golf course, that's fine. You don't notice it too much. I mean, when I would come off the course this past week, I have a camera follow me while I kind of sign autographs and said hi to my friends and family, uh, and, and all that. So it's different, but at the same time, uh, I think they're doing a great job. Uh, you're going to see some really cool stuff. I think that that waste management, uh, week is going to be pretty cool. Whatever episode that gets put in, because, uh, you know, if people haven't been there, it's, it's the craziest thing you could ever experience. And that Saturday was the craziest day, uh, I could have ever imagined. So, um, I think it's going to be cool. I think, you know, they're doing it the right way. They're very polite and ask if it's cool to do things. Um, I'm not super comfortable yet with like all of it, but I'm definitely open to it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I know Joel's been super open to it and I think they've been doing a great job, uh, getting content and whatnot. Cool. I'm excited to see it, but it's going to be cool, man. I really think I they're going to so. do a great job. I agree. I think, uh, you know, it, it we had the guys on and, and chatted with them about it and their vision for it, I think is, uh, it's going to be good content for golf fans and casual fans as well. So absolutely. I think, it, yeah, I think, I think it will be more lean for the casual. Uh, yeah. but I still think that the, the hardcore fan would enjoy it from what I'm hearing. Like, yep. but I think the casual, like how I view obviously the, the drive to survive formula one, like that, I, I love every episode of those things. I'm not sure, uh, if, if it's in the golf world, I'm going to be obsessed with each episode of each thing. Cause I'll probably know a lot of it, but like for the casual, like God, that F1 stuff. Now I'm like entranced by it. It's so cool. Sweet. All right, we'll let you go, buddy. This was a blast. Thanks for uh, sharing some stories and uh, perspective on some complicated and uh, and not so complicated <laughs> topics. It's uh, it's greatly appreciated. I know the listeners. Anytime, man. It. Next time so. there's a dumpster fire of a week, I'll uh, hop back on. Please, and get my anytime, man. I can chat golf with you any day of the week. So, uh, <laughs> thanks again for the time, buddy. We'll chat soon. All right, see you, Sally. Be the right club. Be the right club today. That's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most.